guys, my name is Jacek Siwko and I'm your host in a delicious podcast. This is episode number 11 and I'm excited to tell you that this show is brought to you by deliciouspresets.com, tools that make your post-production in Lightroom faster, easier and more efficient. Today's guest in the show is Martin Vaudere, wedding photographer from Belgium. Martin has got documentary approach to his work and except weddings, he's also covering stories of families and shooting street photography. Martin is presenter at Nine Dots Photography Festival in London this year and he is claiming that you can find an inspiration really around the corner from where you are and you don't need to go faraway countries to be inspired to shoot on the streets and I think it's very interesting point of view so I'll be recommending you to listen to the podcast right now and also taking this opportunity I would like to thank to all the people who already published images on Instagram with the hashtag delicious podcast I'm really excited to see you guys what are you doing while listening to this podcast and also what images are you developing during listening to this show so big up guys continue publishing these images and I would see you on Instagram later on thank you so much It's Jacek Siwko here. I'm with Martin Devoldere. Very well. Yeah? <laughs> yes. I managed to succeed yes. to pronounce your name in a proper way. You're very good in your language. Thank you so much. So how are you doing, Martin? Uh, very well. It's a bit busy. It's the end of the season, so a lot of editing to do. Some slideshows and preparing my presentation because next week I go to London, so it's busy, but I'm happy to speak with you. Thank you for giving us your time. And actually, nope. maybe we'll start by introducing you to the audience. Maybe you can tell me where you're from and what you do for a living mainly. I'm uh, Martin de Volder. <laughs> I come from Belgium. I live here in uh, the northern part, the Dutch-speaking part of Belgium. I'm 34 years old and I'm uh, especially I'm a wedding and family photographer. Mainly weddings, actually, and sometimes families. And for how long you've been doing this? I bought my first camera eight years ago, but then it was just a hobby. But now for like five years, I do it professionally. You mean professionally? by just earning money, right? This is Yes, I earn money, sorry, yeah. I earn money with photography. The first year I didn't earn a lot of money, but I was a professional. But now uh, I earn money with it. <laughs> so that's important. Okay, but how did you manage to capture people? Because I was looking at your website and I found that people were always in your interest, like from the very first site. Is it correct? Yeah, I'm, uh, I like photographing people, you know. I like to go close. I like to capture them like they are, like happy, sad, like just the way they are. Nothing posed or, of course, I have some posts, pictures on my website, but I like to focus on the spontaneous things. Mm -hmm. And you know, oftentimes when I'm um, talking to especially wedding photographers, I would say they split into two groups. One is like, we don't touch anything. We just capture life how it is and the situation how it is. And the other one is like, they are sort of creating. Oh, I'm uh, more, more the first one. Even in the couple shoot, which is more post, I think it's important to photograph the couple like they are. Like I don't say a lot, but I put them in the right light. I say 
just walk there and I have to capture them the way they are. I'm not like creating these crazy storytelling shits. I just tell the story of the day, what happens there and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Of it's always my own vision on reality that's in every reportage like this. I like to capture them like they are. You said it's your vision. So... In some ways, uh, you are a liar as well, you know, because... The, of course, that's true. But I, it's, my, it's how I see the couple and how they are reacting. And sometimes people even have a reaction on me and then I can capture them the way they react at me. But it's still their reaction at me. But I don't pose them and put them in the corner and then lay your hand like this and your leg like this. I don't do that. But yeah, it's always a vision through the eyes of the photographer. Always. Of course. So you are the most interest you have in photography is kind of documenting the reality. Yeah. And just documenting life. All right. It's our clients. So it's not... I read a discussion yesterday like... If these documentary weddings or documentary family photography is it's photojournalistic and the point is it's not photojournalistic because the people pay you and All right. so they pay you so they still have a decision how you photograph if they don't like their hair if it's it's not like if they do anything with their hair okay but if they make their hair beautiful you can only photograph like it's beautiful Like they decide as well, like a pure photojournalistic reportage, like for the paper, the subject is not the one who pays. But you get paid by newspaper. So it's like same thing, you know? No, the subject is not the newspaper. All right. The one who pays is not the subject. In our case, for weddings or family photography, the one who pays is also the subject. So that's a different with, a, with journalism. All right. But the approach is the same. The approach is photojournalistic, difficult word. Did you have any complaints like from clients that, okay, you didn't show the wedding in a beautiest way possible i do i show it in a beautiful way because they laugh and they smile and mm-hmm. there's a lot of like i just looking at my website now and there are in the front page two kids who are smiling to each other i mean i don't put them and say to them oh just look at me look at me and smile no they just smile to each other so, or a mother and a daughter reading a book and the, the daughter is like wow it's just It's so much more valuable than just a post picture where they look into the camera. I try to capture the real emotions, not the smile to the photographer. Mm-hmm. So maybe my question was a little bit too controversial. But uh, oh. what I meant by saying that is that sometimes I'm, you know, looking at the photographers websites and I see you know like beautiful colors all that stuff you know like they did a lot of job in post-production in Photoshop let's say but you just do the rough post-production and that's it right no I have a, every picture is taken care of in Lightroom every mm-hmm. picture the dodging and the burning but I like a clean edits it's not about yes yes or about this or about this filter or this filter no it has to be they have to be clean pictures but just the way yeah I don't know how to explain it it's about the subject not about the filter mm-hmm. I want to capture true when two people smile 
they smile. It's not important that you have an ugly Instagram footer put above it. Like Instagram is so popular because people think, oh, we put a footer on it and then it's a good picture. That's mm-hmm. not That's not the only reason why Instagram is popular. The main reason is they just document their life. That's Instagram. I just do the same thing, but without filters and on a professional level. All right. And would you agree with me that the documentary, the real documentary pictures aren't so popular on Instagram nowadays? They are very popular, I think. Really? It's two markets. You know, if I put a picture on Instagram from two kids laughing to each other, kids always do well, of course, on Instagram. But when a grandmother is crying, that's purely documentary. It will get a lot of likes on Instagram because more likes than a grandmother who just looks into the lens. I mean, when the grandmother is crying to her grandchild, is getting married, it gets a lot more likes. How many likes do you mean? I don't know. I'm not so popular on Instagram because I don't do it enough. So that's a, a goal for next year. Yeah, I was asking you because I was comparing, you know, like accounts from documentary photographers and those who are creating a vision of some sessions or maybe even the vision of the weddings. And, you know, this comparison is like very bad for documentary photography. Really? Yes, I was actually thinking, why is that? And I figured that, okay, the audience is younger, you know, and the people who are around 16 or even younger, they don't understand, you know, the beauty of real documentary photographs. Yeah, but if I look at Two Man Studios, they have 60,000 followers. I don't think that's, I mean, that's a lot, you know? Mm-hmm, but I'm saying average. Yeah, maybe that's average, but... That's enough, you know, <laughs> you, you have enough followers when you have 60,000, like in my town, there live 60,000 people there. Like that's a lot of, yeah, that's a lot of followers, I think, but I'm not so busy with Instagram. I don't All know. Right. Maybe of course the fine art stuff with the colors and the filter will be popular. Of course they are popular, but there's a huge market for the real emotions and the true emotions. If you look at Fearless, I mean, there are a lot of documentary photographers there and it's really a huge community so okay and you know i was looking at the rangefinder at 30 rising stars this year and they wrote yeah. something like the documentary approach is coming back do you think it's, yeah, uh, it's the future i read that too and i thought a lot of me and my friends thought huh? it's coming back it's never gone i mean never gone right yeah i thought yeah i was uh, surprised there were a lot of photographers who still are afraid of putting documentary like photographs on their instagram or their facebook account i mean then they say oh but i get more likes from the other but mm-hmm. my clients like the, the documentary more that's a strange thing to say i think yeah but it was something i just told you like in a second ago that i was comparing you know documentary pictures at instagram and yeah. they weren't so popular at least in poland where i live in yeah. right now so and forever over there you should try it <laughs> sorry sorry can you repeat sorry then there's a huge market for documentary pictures i'm sure if it's not no a- we got amazing photographers who do <laughs> reportage and documentary work in poland i don't want to steal the market from them i got my style in which i'm pretty comfortable maybe it's my comfort zone maybe i'll do something you know i to, think to- it's 
For me, it's, I think it's harder. It's harder work, I think. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by harder? You have to take a lot of pictures and have to capture all these moments because that's what you do, capturing moments. And I think it's very hard. It's very rewarding when when people see the pictures. And uh, you say they don't have a lot of followers. I mean, so far. I prefer having 10 likes. Mm-hmm. with people who are really touched by the emotion and by the picture then 100 likes because oh wow it's an epic photograph with mountains you know what I mean mm-hmm. like you can have, of course when you photograph an epic photo shoot on a mountain with a beautiful sky you get a lot of likes of course I like these pictures too but from the thousand likes you get there maybe not a lot of people get really touched by it because it's not about the emotion it's about the environment and in the purely documentary again the example of the grandmother who is crying when people see this picture they really will be moved by the pictures exactly man it's not a matter of having 10,000 followers or 1,000 followers I don't even have a thousand followers so maybe I should uh, spend a little more time on Instagram and imagine if you have 20,000 followers and they are all poor they cannot afford to hire (laughs) you for weddings it just makes no sense they're not so expensive you know exactly but a lot of people are saying that they are not doing this for money and this is the other layer of this but um, yeah if you do something you know for a living it's just like simple for me that you are doing this for money you know even you don't aspire to be a millionaire but still you're no, earning. because i like my job but it's still a job you know exactly i'm very lucky to earn my money with photography a lot of people are jealous on the fact it's uh, for a lot of people it's just a hobby and they dream of being a photographer but they're afraid of really doing it and some people just do it as a hobby because They like their freedom when it's a hobby, because when it's a job, it's still a job. Exactly. And some people are suffering from burnout because they've been doing the same subject all over again. Yes. That's why you have to be careful with these weddings. Last year, I had a little bit too much. For me, it was too much. How many was this? Last This year, I had 30 weddings and it was... Almost too much. But last year I had 36 and it was really too much for me. For me, it was too much. Yeah, I can imagine. And a lot of long weddings because when you have full days in in Belgium, I don't know how it's in Poland. I think it's a bit of the same. But a full day in Belgium, sometimes it's 14 hours, 20 hours. I I never heard about 20 hours. No, that's my Okay, okay. So, can you you tell me how it looked like the 20 hours wedding? Yeah, I had to start in Bruges around six in the morning. Okay, for like right shower? It was with a couple at home. They lived together in their home, but the guy was still in bed (laughs) writing his vows. And in the living room, they made a beauty and a hair salon. Like, they were like the three sisters and all the female friends of the bride were there and all the ladies were in that house preparing themselves with their hair the hairdresser came the makeup artist came they all came and it was like a big like same it was like a beauty salon their home then the guy left to his father who lived the streets further away 
So uh, then I went to the guys and shot the atmosphere over there. And then they got married in the city hall, just a civil wedding. Then go back to the house. They had lunch. And then we went for a photo shoot in the woods on the place. The couple had their first date there and we did the shoot there. So they had some good memories. It was in October. It was beautiful weather. It was sunny. So in Belgium, you have to be lucky. But, you know, October, it was a very nice autumn. There's some pictures on my website. It was beautiful. And then we go to another city where the party was and people came from six to eight. From eight o'clock in the evening, it was dinner. And that first dance was at 12 in the eight. So the guests didn't attend the ceremony? Yeah, a lot of them attend the civil ceremony. But sometimes not a lot of people are there in the civil ceremony. Uh -huh, okay, so they don't care. There, yeah, but because there was just a civil ceremony, a lot of friends came by, came over and it was nice I think a hundred people were there mm -hmm. and then at night for dinner it was with food trucks it was nice it was uh, with food trucks and I think 200 people were there to party and to eat first dance was at 12 in the evening and then I stayed for another two hours man this so. is this is truly documentary approach to wedding photography and I have to share the story with you because I was talking to a guy who worked for National Geographic for many years and he said to me that okay if you are leaving the wedding let's say like in the middle of the party which is usually what I'm doing and the other guys are doing same you are losing a lot of great shots over there you know yeah of course That's, and I was yeah. thinking all right this is good approach to be the last one standing on the dance floor but actually if you are doing this let's call it professionally for like 20 30 weddings a year awesome. it's like impossible yeah but I have uh, some weddings I have a package also from the beginning but I changed my packages now but I always start with the preparation like makeup artist, hairdresser, something like that. And then I want to shoot that. For me, that's important. When the bride puts the dress on, that's an important moment, mostly with her mother. I'm there, I'm shooting that. And then, but if you're from early in the morning, at night you are very tired. It's like 14 hours hard work. And of course, you want to shoot a party. But if your clients do not pay you for that, you don't stay. If they pay you for eight hours, you stay eight hours. If they pay you for 14 hours, you stay for 14 hours. You of course, you know, I miss a lot of good pictures, but yeah. It's always the same. Of course, I can imagine like if you attend three weddings a year, you can be the last guest, you know, leaving the house. Yeah, if I could ask 5,000 euros for a wedding, I would always stay. But then I do like 15 weddings. If I could ask 5,000 euros, I would stay till the end, of course. But then I don't do 30 weddings a year when I ask this price. Man, you said you changed your offer, your pricing. What made you changing this? Because of these long days. Mm -hmm. People sometimes don't realize when you're there from six in the morning and it's eight in the evening, you're already shot for 12 hours. People sometimes don't realize that. So that's why I changed it from a package from eight hours and then you can book me for hours extra and then a package for 14 hours. Mm -hmm. But then people realize that when I have like a package from 14 hours and I have to start at eight in the morning, 
after 14 hours I'm tired and if they wait with their first dance then they have to pay me extra. The dances are one in the morning and I mean that's not fair to other couples who have their first dance at 11 or 10 in the evening. Sorry to interrupt your talk. Sure. You just reminded me the story of photographer from Poland. This is kind of a huge star over here. Maybe <laughs> I won't say his name. Yeah, but he just got the question from the couple that they wanted to hire him for three hours and normally he's doing reportage in 10 hours and they ask okay can you come for three hours to our wedding and he said no problem but i will do this for the normal price and they were like thinking you know all right but why why you are charging us the normal price and he said because i have to do the same job in three hours which i'm usually taking yeah. pictures in 10 hours you know so he had to be like super concentrated i asked more if for a couple of hours but mostly i don't do that in high season mm -hmm. if they want to book me for three hours I don't do that. So maybe try this technique. Like last year I had some, there was a Bruce Springsteen game to Belgium. And normally it was my first three weekends. Okay. Ages, it was in July. And suddenly a bride asked me, oh, you're getting married on Friday. Can you shoot? And I thought, okay. And I asked, I charged three times as much for like two hours. I asked, I think, 350 euros an hour. And then the next day I charged... The same for three hours and I could go to Bruce Springsteen, but I had just as much as I do in a normal wedding, but I just worked two half days. So it was a good weekend. Then I do it because my year was full. If my year is not full, I can't do that. Maybe the last minute I do some short shoots, but mostly I do, I prefer eight hours and more. Then I can tell a real story about today. Of course, it's just like super cool when you have time to just hang out with people and react what is happening out there. And sometimes you just have to wait. Mostly I don't have a second shooter. And I mean, it's an advantage for things like that, having a second shooter. Then you can let your second shooter do the, the more boring stuff and make sure everybody is photographed and close up of everybody. Of and, then you, and then you can wait for the real moments, like with kids when they're playing, just wait till it happens. That's right. And oftentimes people at the wedding, let's say, think that second shooter is the main photographer because he's doing <laughs> the formal shots and stuff. Especially when a second shooter is a man and the main shooter is a woman. I heard a lot. They all think the male is the main photographer and the female is the assistant. Even if she's very famous, all the female photographers have it. I wouldn't <laughs> agree with you at this case. You know my point of view, but I was shooting with my wife, you know, a couple of years. And we did like this way that she was taking the family formals and all that yeah. stuff. And very often we heard the opinion from guests that, okay, the main photographer, meaning her, was, you know, oh, yeah. better photographer because she cared about people and, and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, people always think they know better. Some, sometimes they think they know better. <laughs> yeah, because I, when we had the first baby, my mother was, or my mother-in-law, they were traveling with us for assignments. And one time my mother heard this, you know, opinion from the guest, you know, that, oh, this guy, Jacek, is a good photographer, but his wife is even better. She's just much better than him because she's everywhere. She's taking you know pictures of kids and all that stuff and you never know with um, with the people at the weddings but they don't know what you photograph they don't know the whole story so. but at that time <laughs> but at that time they knew yeah but they think they know yes yeah. i know 
So, man, are you shooting mainly in Belgium or you're shooting abroad as well? Yeah, I shoot everywhere, but mostly I have Belgian clients. Okay. It's so easy to go abroad and just shoot weddings. They should ask you. And if nobody <laughs> asks you in uh, abroad, so you don't shoot. But if you are pretty busy in your country, what is the sense of going abroad? Yeah, sometimes it's, it's nice to go abroad. And like I, this summer, I had a Dutch, two Dutch people who got married in the south of France. So that was nice. Like and, and other people, another kind of wedding, another country, beautiful weather. So sometimes it's nice to change our environment and it can be very inspirational. I like to be inspired by local weddings. And then I was looking at your website and I found this Day in Life series. Yes. Can you tell me something more about this? Yeah, I don't know if you know Kirsten Lewis. I think she started it like just documenting family life. Like no poses, really no. Purely documentary style photographing kids. So I did one day in the life from a full day. I have smaller sessions as well, where I go to the playground for two hours and just photographing everything that happens. So, and then you hope you have the cool moments with your kids. It's, I think it's cooler to have documentary style picture of your children on your wall in your living room. It's, it's more artistic, I think. That's, that's my opinion. And I love it when, like I told you earlier, the Instagram is so popular and parents putting pictures of that, of their children, like eating and like be dirty and they post these pictures. A day in the life is just the same, but by a professional photographer, done by a professional photographer. And you are on the picture as well as a parent. So, of course, some parents just put pictures of their kids looking like a princess on Instagram. So they are not the market I am looking for. More adventurous. And I saw the picture of, of the kids from the bathtub. So how people react, you know, yeah. when there is a stranger in the house? Yeah, but they pay you to do that. So that's easy. We have actually an easy job. They ask you to document their life. If they don't want you to be in the bathroom and the kid is taking a bath, then don't, they will say it to you. What's the worst that can happen? I mean, you have poor photographers photographing war it's documenting a family it's just about them it's nothing more some people even let them photograph when they're on the toilet with their kids i mean everybody has his own boundaries and you just have to feel it a little bit what's the boundary and people will say oh no that's too far then you don't do it yeah i get it and you know sometimes i would find it difficult because kids are mainly photographed by their parents right so imagine yes. imagine the situation the parent is taking picture and he's saying oh look at the camera look at the camera yes. so the kids are taught to just stare at the camera all the time and smile do yeah. you have any trick to break this rule yeah just say don't look at the camera <laughs> and that's it wedding is mostly in a wedding it's like when you go there to photograph family life, I mean, when you're there for 15 minutes without taking pictures and then you take pictures, you just say, no, I don't shoot you. When Like some kids really wanted to be photographed at the wedding and their parents in the beginning of the day say, oh, look at the photographer. And then I say, don't look at me. And then some kids really want to be photographed and they just smile 
at me and they just smile at me and then I say, sorry, I don't take your photo. If you don't look at me, I take your photo. And after five minutes, they completely forgot. You just have to be close. And the first thing you have to do when you see a kid is go on your knees and talk to them. And then everything will be okay. Just putting yourself on the same level with kids helps tremendously. So that was the most important tip I got. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about being burnout and is it a way to just avoid it? You know, like shooting families or different subjects for you? Yeah, I think just love your job and feel what your boundary is. Some people can cope with 30, 40 weddings a year. I don't. Mm -hmm. Surely not these documentary weddings, but yeah. And except families, are you doing something else for? Some corporate sometimes. If they ask me some corporate pictures and of course some free work, I love my free work as well. Mm -hmm. And what's the free work? Uh, now I'm busy, busy with the series of uh, Krotehem, that's an area in my town. Uh -huh. like, Krotehem, when translated, it's like the town for the outcasts. We have a railway that's dividing my city in two pieces. The place where the workers used to live, it had a bit of a bad name, so they called it Krotehem. I don't know how to translate it otherwise than city of outcasts. Mm -hmm. so, I know what you mean. Yeah. So it's in a lot of cities like that. And they put the railway in between the fancy part of town and the workers part of town. And uh, I take all these pictures in the workers part of town. I just, I create my own utopia, some surreal world or where people like, where just when street photography with a guy in a G-string. It's purely documentary, but I photograph this surreal world in Krati. Okay, but it's something like street photography? Yes, it's street photography. Okay. okay. I will try now my series to expand my series to some personal stories in the area. Do you use different gear than in weddings or you use the same? Uh, mostly same, but I shot some with my Fuji as well. Ah, okay. XT1, sorry. Yeah, the reason I asked you is because I believe that the camera determines you know, the way you shoot pretty much or the system the camera got. With the Fuji, I sh it's... I'm not worried about the black and white because I know if you put it in black and white, it will be great. So, but otherwise I shoot with Sam, but it's a bigger camera and sometimes a smaller camera is useful mm -hmm. and they think you're just a tourist sometimes. That's easier. Yeah, it's the same way in weddings, actually. When people see me with my camera, yeah, then they react like, all right, this must be a cousin or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He's got a small camera. Yeah, sometimes it's funny when you're, you know, the Uncle Bob, of course, and then mostly at weddings I have two cameras. When you have an extreme Uncle Bob, he has like also two cameras, but his lenses are bigger. So it's funny sometimes. Lenses bigger than brain. Yeah, especially oh. Uncle Bob. But at the wedding, they see I'm not a guest. They really see it because I don't have fancy clothes. I just wear jeans, sneakers, comfortable clothing. Really? Are you not trying to sneak into the situation? No, no, I don't. It doesn't work for me. Uh -huh, okay. Oh, I have to be comfortable when I lay on the ground half of the day. I wear jeans. I'm sorry, a comfortable jean. But I watch my shoes sometimes when it's really, really a fancy wedding. Of course, my jeans, it's a nice jeans, but my shoes sometimes are a little bit more fancy at a fancy wedding. But mostly I just have comfortable clothes. I don't wear a costume or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. And it works because they all know, oh, he's the photographer, he's the photographer. And after five minutes, they forgot. They have all seen me immediately. And after five minutes, they forgot me. Because when you're dressed like a guest, I think when you're dressed like a guest and you're photographing guests, I think it's strange being photographed by guests. I don't like that. But when a photographer does that, I think, oh, it's his job. But it's depending on the wedding. That's interesting what you're saying. <laughs> It's just totally yeah. opposite to what I'm thinking. Yeah, I know, but you have at this point, that, but with me and my personality, it works better. Yeah, at this point, I regret I invited you <laughs> for the conversation. <laughs> no, but I have to have comfortable clothes, and but mostly I watch that I have dark clothes on because it's better with reflections and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And man, uh, I remember we were writing in the messenger before this conversation. I said that I will ask you about the wedding market in Belgium because I realized that, all right, I never thought about Poland being a big country, but it's relatively big. And yes. comparing to smaller countries like Belgium, it's like getting bigger and bigger in my eyes right now. And yeah, so I know how it's going here with the market and dying to hear some stories how it's in Belgium and especially like how many photographers you've got there is a big like competition out there and how many weddings you got like for every photographer out there it's depending i guess the we live with 11 million people in belgium but i most photographer has or the flemish market or the french speaking market mm-hmm. so the flemish market is six million people and we starting to have a lot of good photographers especially when you look at fearless Like the Flemish and the Dutch market is they trying a little bit to work together now. And we have a lot of good photographers. When you look at the fearless ranking, a lot of award winning photographers in Belgium. So yeah, but it's a small market, but there I think when you have eleven million people You have not so many photographers than in a market with 40 million people. I mean, that's logical. I think that's that's normal. If you understand what I mean. I don't know the market here. I think people, maybe they're realizing more and more they have to pay for a good photographer. So. So you said the market is divided into two parts. Which one's better? Is it really matter that you are from French speaking side or something like that? Yeah, because it's actually, it's like we have two different countries. Mm-hmm. French speaking part will not look for a Flemish photographer, especially. Of course, they have no problem with it, but mm-hmm. we speak another language. And my so, French, for instance, is very bad. And they have some French speaking. Most of the people just look for a photographer in their own region, everywhere in the world. So. Okay, so if you are at the French site, there is a competition from French photographer, I believe. I don't know, but we have the masters of Dutch and Belgian wedding photography. Mm-hmm. It's from, it's the Netherlands, Belgium and Luxembourg. So There is not a division between the languages there. Okay. We, I know some French-speaking photographers, but my French is so bad, I cannot work for French-speaking people who don't speak English. If they speak English, it's no problem, of course. But I'm a bit ashamed my French is so bad. But man, coming back to the documentary approach, I think if you don't pose the couple or you don't say that much, you know what they should do. I think it's no problem to work. Yeah, you really have to have a connection. I think the connection is very important. Okay, but what do you mean by connection? You have to have a connection with the couple. They have to like you. You have to 
love them. I mean, my best wedding, I was just in love with the couple. Mm-hmm. Two brilliant people, but they, I don't understand what they are saying. Of course, I, I talk to them. I mean, I'm not a robot, you know? I'm a human being. <laughs> but you surprised me now. Yes, yes. I know a lot of people are surprised when I tell them I'm a human. <laughs> Yeah, I'm wondering, you said a few things about this market stuff in Belgium. So how do you survive in such difficult environment? Yeah, they found me on Google and uh, from other couples. And sometimes you have to put things on Facebook and I advertise on Facebook. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's good or I don't know the results of that. I don't follow that up. So that's not a good thing. But next year, I have a lot of goals on my social media skills. So, mm-hmm. so you said the Google is your stronger source of clients or Yeah, most of them come from my website or from other weddings. Do you do some Facebook marketing as well? Yeah, I think what's you can promote your website. What I notice is when I put just one picture mm-hmm. on my Facebook page and I push that or, or pay to push it, it has a lot of more response and I receive more emails after that. So I think it's good to push your website if you have a new website. It's always nice to remind or just people realizing you're there. But just putting one picture of a wedding and then the next week another one and next week another one and sometimes like pay two euros for pushing that picture. It has more response than spending 100 euros a month for pushing your website. Okay. And you said you will have the, some goals for next year. Can you share a few things yeah, about it? My personal projects, I really have to do something about that. Like really looking for stories and I want to do an exposition with it uh, next year and the project. And I want to do an expo with not only my photographs, but with photographs from other countries as well and other photographers. And my social media skills, of course, that's important. And I could make a good advertisement for myself. And I want to do more day in the life shoes from families. So I wish you all the best with this. But um, yeah, in nearest future, you are going to London. You just mentioned that at the beginning of this talk. And you... (laughs) Can you explain? I go to nine dots. I don't know what nine dots mean. <laughs> I really yeah. don't. Yeah, we were guessing, you know. So let me share the story because today morning I was talking to my wife and I said, oh, this guy Martin will be a speaker at nine dots. And she asked me, oh, what's the name stands for? Is it the autofocus dots, you know, the yeah. the fields? Yeah. And I was like, maybe. oh, maybe. Yeah, I never thought about this. So if anyone is, knows, just let us know. In my logo, the M in my logo has one dot. <laughs> and that's the dot from the focus. Mm-hmm. If you look at my logo, you can see it like in the right. Uh, I thought M. it's a dead pixel. No, <laughs> I don't have dead pixels. I photograph dead people, not dead pixels. So, so I go to London next week talking about... Finding your inspiration close to your home, because I think you don't have to go to India or some guys go to Russia and the old communist countries to photograph things. I don't think you have to go to Russia or to Africa or to India or to South America to make beautiful stories. Just go around the corner and try to tell a story over there. So that's my presentation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with this. And there is more layers in this thing. You know, because when you are going abroad, like let's say Far East or somewhere, you don't know that community. 
community, you know, and you're just shooting because you are reacting to what you see and you think it's yeah. interesting because visually maybe it's interesting, yeah. but it has no, some kind of deeper value in, in the story. Yeah, that's my point in my presentation. I even start with my uh, personal story because if I shoot just around the corner in the town where I live, the town where I grew up, It's close to my heart. It's in my DNA. If I go to Africa, I don't want to go to Africa and be just another white male photographer photographing poor children. I mean, I think we're way past that. Of course, if you're photographing for the newspaper or for National Geographic, it's something else. Then it's relevant what you do. If you just go there because you think it will be nice to photograph a poor child, I think that's the wrong approach. I think you have to search for bigger stories just around the corner from where you live. And do you practice this a lot? Like walking well, and... Spreading, so... <laughs> yeah, but when you have the free time. Yeah, but I didn't have a lot of free time, so one of my goals next year is mm -hmm. to do it. More so, often. Yeah, I have some subjects in my mind that I want to follow, so... Just to wrap up this conversation, maybe if there is someone who were listening to this podcast, just grab I your hope camera. So someone is listening. <laughs> yeah, there will be for sure. I'm promising you. Grab your camera, go outside and find some inspiration close to your house, close to your yes. office. Yeah, sure. They should do that. All right, Martin. Thank you for being well, a part thank you of for the interview. It was nice talking to you. I think it wasn't even an interview. I think it was a friendly conversation. Yes. This But is my goal. I call it an interview. Yeah. It was a nice thank you for the conversation. Yeah, thanks so much. And how is it? Thank you in Belgium. Thank you well. Thank you well. Yeah. Your mm. Pope said it very well. Thank you so much. The Polish Pope said it. His Dutch was very good. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please leave a comment on our Delicious Podcast Facebook group and let us know what you think. Also, if you have any friends that are photographers, share the link to the podcast with them. Our goal is to build big community of open-minded photographers and to deliver as much knowledge and value as we simply can. So when you share this content with your friends, you can make huge impact in our delicious mission. Thank you.